The Emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. Then I will avenge his death. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. Anakin. Anakin's gone. I am what remains. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Anakin. For all of it. I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. Welcome everyone from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 481, Once Anakin Skywalker. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Luke Skywalker to my Obi-Wan Kenobi, we've got Carl LeClaire. There is still good in him. I'm sorry. I'm so (laughs) sorry for all of it. For this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast, I'm just very sorry for it. (laughs) (laughs) He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. Indeed. I can't do it, Ben. Avenge him. (laughs) So, everybody, welcome back. We are uh, doing something a little different uh, with this week's episode. Um, Jason and I, we were kind of talking the last couple of weeks in in light of the finale of Kenobi and just kind of thinking back to how Anakin slash Vader has had these really big moments encountering people from his past. Um, obviously, most notably in his showdown with, with Obi-Wan in the Kenobi series just a few weeks ago. Um, but of course, his encounter with Ahsoka on Malachor and Rebels. And uh, we're also going to look at the way... Luke 
deals with him in Return of the Jedi. So ultimately, what we thought would be fun to look at was just how these three pivotal characters respond to Anakin being Darth Vader when they encounter him. Uh, we just thought that'd be a neat a neat discussion, and they all have a little bit of a different way of responding, which I think is worth talking about. Yeah, indeed, it's 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 interesting, and and you know, I watched all the the scenes and clips, you know, uh, to get ready for this episode, and there was some interesting differences that I noticed, and uh, some things I'm definitely curious to see what discussion we have about because they each respond differently uh and and i'm curious to see what carl thinks so (laughs) (laughs) well um we figured it'd be sensible to tackle these chronologically the way it happens Mm -hmm. on screen um and and we're better to start then with this kind of epic showdown between obi-wan and Vader on the planet of Vancora, which I had to look up <laughs> the, the, the planet they duel on in episode, the episode six, the finale of Kenobi. Um, and just kind of looking at how Obi-Wan responds to now knowing this is Darth Vader is in fact alive. Anakin is in there, right? Um, obviously he learns all the way back in episode two of the series that, Anakin is alive, that Vader is alive. You know, uh, Reva Mm -hmm. reveals that to him. He then encounters him for the first time in episode three. But we thought it was more interesting just to look at because both both episodes two and three, they're kind of just a shock. They're they're overwhelming. This isn't his his reaction is essentially just survival. I mean, episode two, he runs away, just terrified. This is true. Episode three, it's just terror and survival mode so finally here in the finale when they come head to head one more time we get to see how obi-wan reacts to this we get to see his response to the fact that anakin has now become darth vader and something that i found really striking even the first time i watched that finale episode jason is the fact Mm -hmm. that when vader comes strolling down his his shuttle to encounter obi-wan i mean this is almost shot for shot last jedi with kylo and luke on crate um and and even like a similar dialogue right just like kylo says to luke you know did you come here to save my soul vader says did you come to destroy me and obi-wan says i will do what i must which of course is a callback to the to the dialogue right before they fight on mustafar and obi-wan pulls out his blade immediately and makes ready to do battle and I'm curious how you think about this, Jason, but my initial response when I saw that for the first time was I was really taken aback that the negotiator, General Kenobi's initial response is one of kind of violence. Um, but I, so I'm going to talk just like make what I make my sense of it because we've had a little while to live with it now. And I think mm-hmm. for me, I think the reason he does draw draw down on him right away is you know, we get that quick scene of him before he encounters Vader, where he's in the shuttle and he's again talking to Qui Gon and basically says, "One of us will not walk away from this." Is essentially what he's saying. Um, he right. understands what a threat Darth Vader is, and I think he is planning on going in there, kind of guns blazing, that I have to eradicate this threat, eradicate this this failure I've created. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in a similar vein to Luke, like Luke coming to crate, he, he knows he can't save Kylo. He's the reason he is Kylo. I, I don't know if Obi-Wan necessarily is processing it the same way, but I do think 
General Kenobi steps back into there's a really real threat here to the galaxy mm-hmm. and I'm going to do what I must. Um, so it really did take me aback that his initial response is one of combat. Let's go. Let's fight this out. I'm going to destroy you. Um, but that yeah. did, so does seem to be his initial response. All right. Anakin might or might not be in there. But before me is this monster named Darth Vader that I will destroy. Um, what do you think about the way that this fight begins? Yeah, he didn't seek Vader out. He didn't seek this confrontation at all. He's doing this out of duty. The mm. reason he is there, the reason he is he has drawn Vader off is to save the life of Leia, protect Luke, to protect uh, the other uh, refugees that are trying to escape. Uh, that is why he is doing this. He is there to to draw them off to do his duty, to do his sacrifice if need be, uh, to keep them safe. And I think in some part of it, uh, to finish what he was unable to finish in Revenge of the Sith. Mm. You know, I, I think there's there's part of that in the back of his mind is like, I failed, uh, you know, 10 years ago. And because of that, so many people have died and suffered. Uh and so he is going to do what he can, do what he must to rectify that uh, and to ensure the safety of those he has been uh, charged. He has charged himself with caretaking uh, at this point. So that is why I think he is there. He didn't seek this out. He isn't looking for Anakin. He isn't trying to to save Anakin in any sort of you know regard. Uh, he is there to do his duty. Uh, he is duty bound as a Jedi, as a Jedi general, you know, in, mm-hmm. in this case in particular to, to do this. Uh, what he doesn't expect, I don't think is the emotion of, of Anakin's face and the actual final realization, the, the final confirmation that he needs that it is actually Anakin inside the suit. Yeah. He's been told, he can sense, but there's something off about all of it. But now he actually, you know, at the end of that duel, he slices the helmet open and he sees the face of his friend damaged and enraged. But that breaks everything. That it, breaks yeah. his resolve. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? That that's that's the turning point in this fight. Obi-Wan starts to win. He clearly has Vader on the ropes. He's just pummeled him with 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 a, a use of force rocks. And yes. I mean, Vader is gasping for air and boom, slices that helmet to reveal the face of Anakin. And I think that's exactly where everything changes for Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. That this is indeed still his friend, the tortured friend he left for dead on Mustafar. Um and that's and, the face, the the, yeah. the burning agony of Anakin Skywalker's face on Mustafar is right where he's back. That is that is exactly where Obi Wan goes. He's not on Vancor anymore. He's on Mustafar, on the banks of the lava river, watching Anakin burn. That I I can see it in his eyes. Yeah. So yeah, and and that's where yeah that's that's where everything changes for obi-wan you know the conviction to 
to win this fight, to go in and do his duty, which again, I mean, that's, he reluctantly goes to Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith, right? He, you know, mm-hmm. send me to kill the Emperor. I will not kill Anakin. He's like my brother, right? You know, mm-hmm. he really doesn't want to have to do it. Um, but Yoda reminds him of his duty. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I think that's a great point, Jason, that this is about doing his duty. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he shows up here to do that duty and he's just not able to, to seal the deal when he sees Anakin again. And I think, again, I, I have so many mixed thoughts and feelings about why this ends the way it does. I still think it's sloppy. <laughs> That's my opinion. Um, because it just becomes the exact same thing as Revenge of the Sith, just walking away. Um, although when he walks away on Mustafar, I think he is pretty sure Anakin's dead. <laughs> like, yes. he leaves him on fire. Like, humans don't survive that. <laughs> right. Um but the difference here is is I think what he what he recognizes there is this broken man and again is reminded of the guilt he feels for putting Anakin in there. And you know, when Anakin Vader sort of absolves him by saying, you know, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan. I you didn't kill Anakin, I did. Right? And I think for Obi-Wan it breaks his heart to see this friend of his who hates himself so much i think Mm -hmm. more than anakin vader hates obi-wan he hates himself and i think that just breaks obi-wan's heart um and and offers this apology and i don't think he expects that apology to change anything um but at least just tries to absolve his guilty conscience by saying sorry um i still find it odd that he doesn't mention padme like i just I felt like this was the perfect place to say, like, Padme believed in you, right? Her dying words to me was that there's good in you. Don't let her die in vain. Like, I, I still think this scene could have been, been written way better. <laughs> um, like, and not to say that what's there is bad. Like, you oh, and acts the hell out of it. It's beautiful. It's the emotion is right on point. But when he sees Anakin and chooses not to finish the job, it's clear because he just can't bring himself to do it. Um, and mm-hmm. part of me, and this is just me speculating, Jason, I have no idea. Cause again, I don't know why they chose to write this scene this way. Um, but part of me wonders if it's just, he almost doesn't feel like he's allowed to finish the job. Like I'm the reason that he is this monster, that he is so broken and it's not my place to end his story. Maybe there is still a chance for him. It's just not through me. I'm not the, again, kind of like Luke in Last Jedi. Like, it's not, it's, I cannot save him. I'm the reason he is this way. Um, and maybe by walking away, it's just saying, all right, I can't kill him because I'm part of the reason he is like this. And I can't be the one to do this. Um, again, I, I, I still don't fully understand why he walks away that way. But I do, but his his acknowledgement of, then my friend is truly dead and goodbye, Darth, right? It is this acceptance of Anakin's no longer in there and that just breaks my heart and he just kind of stumbles away. I mean, his, the the physicality with which Ewan acts that out as he walks off is so similar to the kind of stumbling walk uh, that he has in Revenge of the Sith as he kind of crawls back up the, the lava bank, right? It's just like this mm-hmm. defeated man walking away from another defeated man, Um yeah, so. he he leaves just full of of resignation, mm-hmm. uh, 
and trying to wrap his head around. The fight is gone. He has no fight left in him. Like you can see it just he the wind is knocked out of his sails. He deflates. He is, you know, all that that resolve that he had going into this is just shattered by his emotions and by Anakin Darth Vader this person and he he doesn't have the the fortitude anymore to finish the job if Obi-Wan Kenobi has a fatal flaw it is the fatal flaw that he cannot kill Anakin you know, it it is a, a love, it is a compassion, and he is grieving again now. The he is knocked into a, another state of grief, and one that he is determining will be more of a final state. I think uh, as we see how he goes by his point of view once we get to the original trilogy. Um, so he. Yeah, I, I don't know what how I would have you know if I would have changed how it was written. If there was something else I would have done before, after to kind of give some more clarity to this. But the obvious you know thing is that the fight is gone. He cannot finish the job again, and that is Obi Wan's flaw. Is that when it comes, Anakin is his flaw hmm. because Anakin couldn't bring the trials and troubles that Anakin was going through during the Clone Wars to light in order to try and prevent all of this to happening because he didn't want to hurt Anakin. He didn't want to disrupt what was going on as, you know, as far as Palpatine or Padme, you know, he didn't want to, to expose that to the council and risk hurting Anakin. And even now he can't kill Anakin. Anakin is Obi-Wan's flaw, plain and simple. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there that I'm still kind of trying to figure out, um, I think, but I think ultimately that's where I come down is Anakin is Obi-Wan's flaw. And that Mm. is why he can't, he can't finish the job here. Yeah. That's a great point. And, and right. It, it all essentially comes to the fact that he, he sees him, he hears Anakin again. Right, the sound of, mm-hmm. of Anakin's voice. Um, I mean, I think if that's that landing hit had decapitated him, that'd have been the end of it. I, I think maybe that's even what he was going for. Um, right, he does seem to go into the fight, like we said at first, with the intention of one of them being destroyed. Um, and instead, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate that point a lot, Jason. That this is his just—it's just Obi Wan's flaw. He just can't. He just can't commit to this with Anakin. Um, yeah, and and if and it I was think, if it was anyone or anything else, Obi Wan would have seen it through to the end. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I guess like something that points to that in the previous episode, in Episode Five of Kenobi, is when Reva says to him, you know, when they're talking through the door, and she's like, "Is that really what you want, Obi Wan? You really want Anakin dead, right?" And he just he doesn't respond. He just he sits with the question of like dang it, can I do it, it's, right? And it's why he brought Vader to her. Right, so she could do so it. That she, so she could do it, and he wouldn't have to. And then he tasks Luke with it later on. 
Yeah. 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 So that's a great point. It is just his flaw. He just, he just can't do it. There's still way too much love in there for Mm -hmm. him. Um, you are, you are my brother, Anakin. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I do think, you know, the, the, I'm sorry, like that, that response Obi-Wan has those, right. Is I created this in part, Mm -hmm. right? Like, and he's still feeling that guilt again. Um, and he just needs to distance himself from it. I, I, yeah, I can't do it in order, in order to be able to move on from this, because he obviously hasn't really moved on that much in the 10 years since. Um, but in order to move on and to heal and to be able to, to go into the future, uh, he has to distance himself here. And I think the apology is as much for him as it is to whatever might reside of Anakin Skywalker within Vader at this point. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well there's, there's our first look, um, at, at, at Obi-Wan dealing with, with Vader. Um, but then, you know, fast forward about another eight years and, Vader's going to meet his former apprentice for the yeah. first time. And right again, before, before the, everything happens on Malachor, obviously season, I think that this is all season three, right? Two. Um, season two. Season oh, okay. two of Rebels. That's right, man. That's I forgot how much happens in season two. It's a big season. There's a lot. It's a big season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, obviously the, the season opens with her sensing Anakin invader yeah. and he obviously senses her back um but here is in this final showdown she shows up uh they both you know he shows up on malachor and she has a very clear conviction that she's gonna destroy him that seems yeah. to be kind of her motive is you know somewhat similar to what happens with obi-wan and and vader there is that brief moment of dialogue where she admits like, I, I almost, I can't believe that Anakin is this right. Like she's almost at a different place than, than Obi-Wan in a way, because Mm -hmm. she just recognizes that in front of her is Darth Vader, this monster that she, she's going to destroy. And, you know, when Vader gives the simple, like Anakin was weak, I destroyed him. Fine. I'm going to avenge him. Right. And that's of course where we get the famous, I am no Jedi. Right. Um, that is not a vengeance is not the Jedi way. I'm no Jedi. Yeah. That's, it's a great line. Um, so, yeah. And but. I mean, and I think what's important to realize is, um, Ahsoka is, is fulcrum. She is this real integral part of this growing rebellion. And mm-hmm. Vader is a very real threat to that rebellion. And yeah. in particular to the future of potential Jedi, right? I mean, she's now encountered mm-hmm. Kanan and Ezra, understands and, and respects Kanan's, uh, you know, desire and wishes to train a future Jedi in, in Ezra. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka is kind of the defender of all of that. Um, and, yeah. and Vader is a very real threat. And I think that's why she kind of just dives into the fight again, similar to Obi-Wan in, in Kenobi is she, yeah, she sees him as the foe that needs to be destroyed. And I think something that I, I was thinking about that's quite interesting is 
if you look back at Ahsoka in Clone Wars, she's always quick to fight. She is, you know, oh yeah, because she's a product of the Clone War itself, right? She's her 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 whole Padawan ship is during a war, and yeah, and her master is Anakin, who's also always quick to fight, pull out the lightsaber. Yes. So I think there's still that bit of snips in there that. You know, there's not much to talk about here. You fine. You killed Anakin. Fine. You're the enemy. I'm going to I'm going to win this. I'm going to win this fight then. Yeah. And she says, you know, uh, earlier in their their brief dialogue is that, you know, Vader says, you know, perhaps he he were referring to Ezra. We will tell me where the these hiding Jedi are. And she goes, there are none. You and your inquisitors have seen to that. So she knows about Vader and she knows what he's been doing. Um, I feel like she's, you know, since she sensed Anakin at the beginning of the season, she's been trying to find answers. Obviously, she's been trying to find answers about him if that might actually be be Anakin uh, mm. still in there. So she's been looking for answers, and finally this confrontation happens, and it all just kind of gets thrown back in her face, and she throws it back in his face, and that's it. Um, it it's you know, it doesn't have any opportunity for them to try and reach out or have any, there's not really any attempt mm-hmm. at any sort of reconciliation on either side, obviously. Um, and she, as you said, goes in lightsabers blazing to avenge him. Uh, as she says, which makes it interesting when she, like Obi-Wan, slices the helmet open. Yeah. Yeah. And he says her name, Ahsoka. And she turns and sees Anakin's face in there and she says, I won't leave you. Not this time. Mm-hmm. Which makes that all very, very interesting. Cause now she's she she is so loyal to Anakin that that's her immediate go to uh, her immediate response is to, I won't leave you this time. Uh, she's, she's going to stay there, but it's not Anakin anymore. And so the battle continues. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, and I just, I mean, I love that it's Matt Lanter that they use for once the helmet is, is broken open. Cause I mean, cause of course it's Matt Lanter. I mean, it's the animated series, um, but mm-hmm. even in an interesting way, I mean, that's, that's the voice of Anakin for Ahsoka, right? Like when we see Ahsoka interacting with Anakin, it's the voice of Matt Lanter, not Hayden Christensen. Um, so I just, I just like that, like, you know, kind of intentional continuity. Um, yeah. Interesting that he has nice bushy eyebrows. Uh, I guess that's the, uh, that's the pre-special edition Anakin <laughs> um, from when, <laughs> you know, the original Return of the Jedi ending when, when Luke takes the mask off and he's, Anakin's got nice bushy eyebrows. Um, Sebastian Shaw's yeah. luscious eyebrows. Luscious eyebrows, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's just like you said, the same with Obi-Wan. When, when Anakin's face is revealed, again, the story changes. Um, mm-hmm. this isn't just a monster. Um, and I think what's interesting is at this point, you know, when he's, when he's talking to Obi-Wan and Kenobi, there's, I don't know, like he just, uh, I think in some ways he's kind of baiting Obi-Wan, but he's really baiting Ahsoka. 
Like he really wants to get her guard down. And that's why, you know, that's why he's doing it. It's he's just playing games with her. There's no affection in that for her at all. He just knows that this will kind of break her resolve and make, you know, make the kill easier. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, her her point of I won't leave you not this time. Um, what do you think she's referring to? Because I, I think it's one of two things. I guess maybe it could be both. I mean, at the time of Rebels, when it was this episode was released, we, of course, did not have the final Mandalore arc from Clone Wars. Um, mm-hmm. So is it she's referring to the fact that she left the order um, or is it she's referring to, you know, deciding to leave leave him to go separate ways when she goes off to Mandalore and he goes off to rescue the chancellor. I do. I mean, I do really think it's, it's the former in the sense that, right. Like, cause again, where things had been written at that point, I think she is referring to, I left the order. I left you. I left you with all this indecision and this, all this doubt about yourself, right? Like, which, which is a little unfair to herself. You know, she did what was absolutely right. Not only was it right for her, but it was just right. Um, mm-hmm. She shouldn't feel guilty about how that made Anakin feel. Um, and yet she kind of, that's almost to me what it implies is she almost feels some level of guilt that by leaving the order, she's part of the reason maybe Anakin felt like a failure. Um, so she promises not to leave him this time um, that she's going to, she's going to stick around through the end of it um how do you take that how do you interpret that particular dialogue i i definitely think that she is referring specifically to when she left the order uh because it was not only leaving the order but it was leaving anakin that Mm -hmm. was that was her cutting it all off there it was kind of a nice little reunion when they got to meet up right before mandalore sort of a hey nice to see you again you know but it was kind of awkward and stilted a bit Mm -hmm. even though he made that that grand gesture of sending rex and you know half of the 501st with her essentially you know with with their altered helmets um but uh it you know it was still kind of a little at arm's length you know yeah despite what what they wanted it to be um i really think it can only be uh when she left the order and left being his padawan so yeah um yeah that that's what it means yeah that's how i take it and and i think she does like obi-wan feel a level of guilt not obviously to the extent that obi-wan does uh but i think she feels like Maybe if she had stuck around, she could have helped mm-hmm. too, you know, which is, you know, a regret anyone might feel in that situation. But, you know, in that moment, the loyalty to her former master is just rises up and initiates that response of, I won't leave you, not this time. So, but of course that changes. Um, as the whole place explodes and we find out in uh, season four that Ezra pulls her through the world between worlds. And uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and I, and, I, and I think what's, what's important there is we, we get to see what happens after the door closes. Right. Cause it, in that finale, yes. I mean, we get those closing shots of her walking down into what looks like a cave. Vader walks out battered and um, bruised, but 
clearly not destroyed in any means. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, even even that episode ends kind of insinuating that Ahsoka doesn't die, um, right? Which is just a big question mark. Uh, but what we get to see in the world between worlds is probably why. So we get to see that she essentially destroys the temple, and I think her intentionality there is just I'm going to take us both out. Like I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to die to end this threat. Like that's that's fine with her. It's it, it's it's her Kenobi on the Death Star move. Rather, like she she hasn't obviously discovered that skill of becoming one with the Force. So instead, she's going to sacrifice herself. To protect the galaxy from Vader. Um, and we see Ezra pull her out um, as the temple starts to be destroyed. So, I don't know, it's almost like the season two finale insinuates that the te- temple does just crumble. It obviously separates the two of them. Vader crawls out. She crawls off. I, I don't know. I mean, it's never really made explicitly clear. Um, but then, of course, Rule Between Worlds changes all of that. And, and Ezra pulls her out before that can even happen. But I think... Right. Uh, to me, what's interesting, though, is the fact that she still continues to fight. So what we see is once those doors close, Vader just immediately attacks her and she defends herself, but she continues the fight. Um, but I think maybe what's different is after that, you know, seeing his face, it's she stops being on the attack and just goes on the defensive, right? Uh, it's not, yeah. I'm going to run you through with my blades, but rather... I'm going to destroy this place that will, and then that will destroy us both. Um, yeah. So she won't changes, leave him. Yeah. It changes the tactic that, you know, we're, I'm going to go down with this ship with you, but we're going yeah. down. We're going down together. So. Yeah. It, it It is really interesting. And then of course, you know, in the world between worlds, when she pops back out onto Malachor, she's down in that area where we see her walking off and, the end of season two. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it does change her tactic because she is, you know, she's not going to leave him and she has every intention of bringing the temple down on top of them together. Because in that moment, when Ezra pulls her through um, just to remind people of the, the visuals of what's going on, she is stabbing into the floor of the temple to create a, you know, a hole for Vader to fall through, mm-hmm. but it's not breaking fast enough. And he is about to slice down on her um, while she is still trying to get that yeah. to go through. And Ezra pulls her through just as the blade whizzes over her head and the hole breaks open. He falls through. She tumbles back into the world between worlds and that's how that happens. So just to do, show that to everybody. But yeah. So Vader probably wonders what happened to her. I don't know if he has any idea if she survived or not, but it's inconclusive. <laughs> right. Right. And clearly after the world between worlds incident, Ahsoka sees her path to be very different, right? She yes. becomes, she becomes kind of this, uh, the the sage to w- w- wizened one, if you will, right? Uh, it, it, yeah. Her task now simply and, becomes to find Ezra, and yeah, yeah, and on a path that is far from Anakin and Vader. Yep. Uh, she she has no intention of of having this kind of confrontation again. Yeah. So. Yeah, but what's so? I think as we make ready to turn to Luke in Return of the Jedi. 
I think the similarities between Obi-Wan and Ahsoka are clear that they both go into this moment knowing that Anakin has ceased to exist to a degree and they're going to destroy him. But once they are finally, but once they see Anakin, they just can't do it. So they change their tactics. Um, Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan's is to just walk off and Ahsoka's is to stay until, you know, stay and finish them off, (laughs) finish them both off. Um, Right. So uh, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka have a different resolve um, ultimately. Yeah. And then, um, now fast forwarding several more years to the events of Return of the Jedi, um, and y- you and I were talking about when we when were you know talking through how we wanted to approach this episode. You were like, "Oh, you know, should we talk about the the, the big reveal in Empire?" And it was, "Well, no, not really, because he doesn't." That's just a moment of shock, right? I mean, right. Um, it's similar it's, to Obi Wan hearing that Anakin's alive at the end of Episode Two of the series from from Riva, um, right? So it's it's not really he doesn't really have an opportunity to really react. It's but when he surrenders himself on Endor, and Jason, this is a great opportunity for us once again to talk about the catwalk scene on Endor. Yes. Um, but when when Luke surrenders himself to Vader. Um, he just he just has a very very different starting point than either Obi Wan or Ahsoka. Um, I mean, both Obi Wan and Ahsoka weren't really aware that Anakin had survived. I mean, they're they're dealing with something very different. Had a, had an actual relationship with him, but Luke comes mm-hmm. at it with this. In my interpretation of this, and 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 others could think of it differently, but my interpretation is it really goes back to. His, his final conversation with Obi-Wan on Dagobah and Obi-Wan kind of, again, gives him the gives him the directive of it's, you know, it's really your job to, to, to destroy Vader. It's that's that's kind of what your mission needs to be. And Luke has found another way. No, I'm not going to do that. Like, I'm not going to kill him. There's good in him. I firmly believe that. And I think the force has reveal, revealed the alternative to Luke that um, go meet Vader with compassion nothing but compassion. I mean, he surrenders to him, surrenders his weapon. And I love the, the start of that dialogue, you know, uh, I know father. So you've accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. And I think in that moment, Luke recontextualizes Vader's sense of self. He's saying you as Darth Vader have no relation to me, but the person you truly are, that's my father. So it's interesting because Luke knows Vader wants a relationship with him. Um, yes, at this point, probably still just because he wants an apprentice to overthrow Sidious. Um, right. But Luke says, your relationship to me is only real because of who you truly are. And I, and I, I just love that. Luke immediately recontextualizes him with the truth and just says, no, no, no. This mask you're wearing, that's all that that is, a mask. Yeah. It's interesting because Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, and, and honestly, I don't know if they could have approached their situations any other way. I don't think there could have been any other possible outcome, really, with the two of them, other than possibly the destruction of, of Vader, um, if they had had the will to keep going. Um, but one of the differences between them is that Obi-Wan and Ahsoka seem to both, to both of them just talk directly to to Anakin, to, to Vader, to, to what's right there in front of them. Luke is talking over Vader. Mm. He's, he's talking over Vader to Anakin. He, he's, you know, 
acknowledging both aspects of him, but pushing past Vader to try and talk to Anakin. And he's, he's deliberately doing that. Um, and, and one of the interesting things, you know, between this scene and obviously the, the scene on the Death Star where um, he renounces uh, Palpatine's offer, says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, and all of this stuff, is he has 100% accepted Anakin Skywalker as his father without ever seeing past the mask. Hmm. Whereas the others have to see the mask drop in order to make that connection. Yeah, great point. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things watching this, you know, today, I, I watched all the clips today and getting ready for this, watching all of that, I was like, that was the biggest thing for me because hmm. both Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, their whole thing changes when, when the mask gets destroyed and they see Anakin in there. Luke has already accepted and uh, reached out to Anakin while the mask is still on. And he's accepted Anakin as his father, despite never seeing his face. Mm -hmm. And I think that's powerful. And I think that's part of what really gets through to Vader, gets past Vader uh, and into Anakin is the mask the mask is there to keep everyone out and it's been doing that it's did that with obi-wan it did that with ahsoka and only when it it broke did they get through but luke got through with the with the mask still there yeah and that's you know i think that's a big thing that i and i'm still like i said i just made that connection today and mm. I'm, I'm still kind of grappling with all of it and trying to figure out how you know how that that plays out but i think that was a really big difference between these three yeah and and i think it worth noting too that luke gets to come from a different starting point obi-wan and Mm -hmm. ahsoka in vader's eyes are are partly at fault for why he's vader um, yes. in, in some way, right? Like Ahsoka left him, leaving him with all this doubt that he was not an adequate master. Um, Obi-Wan, of course, the, the whole long history there. But Luke doesn't have that. Luke doesn't have any of that baggage. So he does have the advantage. Um, yes. Uh, right. And, and, and I think... And the moment, direct connection to Padme. Right. Right. And, and, I, and I think it's a moment like this that gives Luke, Last Jedi Luke the mindset of when he knows he's going to face Kylo, that he can't, he can't do, he can't undo anything that he helped create because he's been right. there. He, he knows what that would look like. Um, but in this scene, um, he does have the advantage of, he does have a very special connection to Anakin. Um, mm-hmm. And he offers something to Anakin that neither, Obi-Wan or Ahsoka is able to offer him, not because there's something inefficient with the two of them or that they're not somehow enough, but just again, the the reality of what their connection to Anakin is. Luke is free of all that. So Luke gets to offer this just endless compassion. Come with me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Luke is offering him something to step away from his addiction to the dark side and his self-hatred. You you know, you don't know the power of the dark side, aka you don't know the power 
that's over me with this dark side. I must yeah. obey my master, right? Like it's, I am imprisoned and Luke is offering a way out. He's saying, come with me. Like there's, yeah. there is another way. You don't have to hate yourself. I, I know who you are. You're my father. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I imagine this dialogue was written intentionally again, because star Wars rhymes. Um, but when Luke says, you know, that my father is truly dead. The fact that Obi-Wan says my friend is truly dead. I feel like that was obviously written in light of return of the Jedi. Um, oh yeah. But I think Luke saying that is actually his final punch. His, it's his final emotional, you know, yeah. uh, he, he's got he Vader on the ropes. It. Yeah. But what he's ultimately saying there is, well, fine. Then my father's truly dead. I am an orphan. Uh, if, if Anakin is dead, then I, I have no connection to you. And it dares Vader to examine himself, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you really believe that, if, you, if this is all true, then my father is dead and there's nothing left between us. So it's almost like Luke leaves him with almost this ultimatum of if you want mm-hmm. a relationship with me, if you truly want to be my father, if you truly want to call me your son, you got to come out of the dark, Anakin. Um, yeah. So he kind of leaves that door open to him. Um, and of course, it all comes to its head, obviously, after the duel and Luke asserts his his, his Jedi-hood and that yes. Jedi-hood having flown from from his father. But he's the first one that gets to remove the helmet. He gets to take the yeah. mask off of Anakin and reveal his true face. Um, and Luke gets to see his father. He, he's the last person to see Anakin alive. He's the last person to lay eyes on him. And Luke's able to do it because, again, it's the relationship of a son to a father. He's done mm-hmm. nothing to harm Vader. He's done nothing to hurt him. And again, it's not to say that... Uh, that Therefore, Obi-Wan and Ahsoka should be ashamed. Of course not. Um, but Luke can offer something that they just can't. He can offer right. the love, the unconditional love of a child for a parent. Um, and, and that's what finally gets through and, and is able to make the, the helmet come off. Um, and uh, quick, very, 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 very minor spoiler from the Princess and the Scoundrel novel that I'm currently reading by Beth Revis, which is amazing, everybody, um, <laughs> at the beginning of the book, because it picks up right after Return of the Jedi. There's a great scene where Luke and Leia are talking about the fact that Vader's their father. And and Leia is obviously very, very much struggling with what that could mean and, and how she feels about it. But Luke is just so adamant about like he obviously knows that the monster Darth Vader was. But Luke knows also that Anakin returned and that he really believed that Anakin did the right thing and was was just hidden behind a mask. And it's it's a it's it's, it's a great little scene. And I, I again, that's a minor spoiler. It happens early on. I won't tell you exactly how it plays out, but it's it's awesome. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just so good. It. Where Obi-Wan and Ahsoka couldn't succeed, and it, and again, they almost like they literally just couldn't. I mean, they're the only yeah. thing they can really do is kill him. Like that's really it. They can't save him, they can't bring Anakin back. So both Obi-Wan and Ahsoka, as we talked about, like they do have the conviction of fine, then we have to destroy him, but they just can't do it. They can't do it because right. they still they still love Anakin, but their yeah. love is tainted in Anakin's eyes. Right. So right. that tainted love, 
It's a classic song. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, it can't get through to him, but Luke has yeah. this this pure love of a child um, that that is effective enough to get through. Um, so yeah, yeah it, it's, I just think it's it's really amazing. It's fantastic, and uh, you know, it. <laughs> It takes three three of these confrontations before, you know, Anakin finally comes out of the darkness, you know, and it's it's remarkable to to watch and to see how all of this happens and plays out, uh, and you would think that after Obi Wan, after Ahsoka, Vader is getting hardened and hardened to these kinds of pleas and these kinds of of confrontations and interactions. And yet Luke gives himself over to the empire to have this conversation with Anakin and immediately just gets up under his guard, uh, almost effortlessly. Uh, and I think the aggressive compassion that Luke has for his father catches Vader completely off guard. Um, I like that term. And Aggr- so, aggressive compassion. <laughs> yeah. It's better than aggressive negotiations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, I think that really catches Vader off guard. And obviously we see that all sinking in after Luke is taken away and Vader leans on the railing and just kind of collapses in on himself there at the end of the scene um, on Endor. So, and that just eats away, eats away, eats away until his son calls out in agony and pain and threat of death um, for his father. And the father answers. And it's, it's amazing to see how that all comes together. So, yeah. Yeah, really is. Um, and you know, I, I, as we're kind of wrapping up our thoughts here, Jason, it just kind of struck me that we don't really talk about the fact that Obi-Wan does meet Vader again on the Death Star. But I think the reason I'm leaving that out is, is I, he doesn't go into that with, it's a very different experience. He, Cause I think oh, yeah. for him at that point, he's just Darth Vader. Um, why he doesn't kill him again, it's. I do think the Kenobi series does bring in some interesting questions with continuity for canon. Uh, I know some people would say it doesn't at all, but I don't see how it doesn't. <laughs> um, but be that as it may, Obi-Wan comes into that moment, just you know, only a master of evil. Like there is no Anakin to him there. It's just Darth Vader. No, um, I don't know it's why. It's just Darth he, Vader. Don't know why. Like, I mean, he, he goes into the fight to distract him, to pull him away from Luke and Leia. You know, he wants to keep mm-hmm. the Skywalker twins safe. Um, so it is, it is purely a, a, a a diversion. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it is also though, it's, it's an opportunity to teach Vader a lesson, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. to teach him that, you know, he does think that he knows everything, but in fact he doesn't. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's part of it. And, uh, the other part is Luke is what's important right now. Right. And safeguarding Luke. Uh, Anakin doesn't matter at this point. Right. Uh, to Obi-Wan. It's Luke. Exactly. And 
And right when they get pulled into the Death Star, he doesn't know Vader's there or anything. He's not going there to confront Vader. It's actually I've been re-listening to the A New Hope radio drama, and I was just listening to the episode yesterday where you know they get pulled into the Death Star, and and that whole scene plays out from you know Obi Wan and Luke, and they're like we get that scene from the inside of the Falcon as opposed to Vader being outside and saying, "Oh, I feel a presence I've not felt since." Instead, we get Obi Wan saying essentially the same thing, but he's like, I just felt a presence out there. It's, you know, and so it's Obi-Wan responding to it. And it's, so it's, it's different because he's confronted now that, Oh geez, it's Darth Vader. But like you said, it's, he's there to keep, to keep Luke and Leia safe, to get them out alive. Um, well specifically, because he also, he also doesn't know Leia's there either. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's duty. It's duty duty again. For Obi-Wan Kenobi. And and that is, he does his duty to keep them safe. And maybe just one last little jab in the eye to Vader as he vanishes into the Force right in front of him. Um, Yeah. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah. But it's duty. It's duty. Uh, Anakin Anakin is not a consideration for Obi-Wan at this point. It's Luke uh, and... Leia, by extension, but it's Luke. The safety and security of Luke and the well-being of Luke and his development into a Jedi is what matters. And he knows he'll still be able to help that along whether he survives this confrontation or not. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Um Yeah, so there there's there's our thoughts on the uh the encounters of once Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> you know, and, and as always, you know, it's super interested to hear what other folks think, you know, about about some of these pivotal moments where where Anakin's f- former companions encounter him and, and how they respond. Um, uh, and just a, a, a quick uh, teaser for, for next week. Um, we have a, a first time ever special guest joining us next week who I'm really excited to have on. He's 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 never done a podcast. Um, I'm very excited that we'll, we're going to be his first one, um, and we're going to be we're going to be talking about the the uh, kind of the history of the Force in Star Wars and looking at how uh, Star Wars has explained the Force through all of its different eras. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to have that conversation with our with our special guest next week, um, and uh, yeah, so so. Hopefully you'll you'll come back for that one as well. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one because they definitely approach it differently in in the different eras. That's for sure. So I'm yeah. very curious to see how the conversation goes next episode. Absolutely. Well, Carl, if people want to weigh in on their thoughts on these confrontations or anything else related to Darth Vader and his. Uh, journey back to Anakin Skywalker where can people contact us well we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair you can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair you can always email us at Wampas Lair podcast at gmail.com excellent and any final thoughts before we close down the episode you did not kill this podcast Jason I did Ah, well (laughs) in that case thank you everyone so much for listening to this uh, dead episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This has been episode number 481. Once Anakin Skywalker. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs>